Hi, GP learners. You may be thinking about getting a job when you finish your CCT and stuff, and we're here to talk about how to help you do that and also some other things around networks and things that you may want to plug into. And I've got Jodie back with me to talk about that. Let's take enhance your primary care and learning. If this is the first time I'm meeting, I'm Dr. Gandalf for EGP Learning, where I look at supporting you with technology-enhanced primary care and learning. And in this episode, I'm again joined by Jodie um, in terms of trying to give us an idea of how we can go about getting jobs and also the various different networks that you may want to plug into and a little bit of stuff about appraisal and things as well. How are we doing today, Jodie? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Cool. So um, we talked about last episode about getting your CCT. But obviously, once you've got your CCT, the next thing you may want to do is make sure you have a job to use it with. Um, so what would you recommend to all the our listeners and viewers out there in terms of doing that? So I think the first thing is don't be overwhelmed. Try not to be overwhelmed by the huge array of choice that is out there. We're so lucky in general practice now that there's so many different ways of working, mm-hmm. so many opportunities that it can be a little bit daunting to start with. Um, so I say just have start by thinking what matters to you, what you're what you're really interested in, because it can be really easy when you first CCT. I don't know if you're, I think we're probably similar to this. Mm. Just say yes to everything, yeah. um, and that's great to kind of taste things and find out what's going on. Um, but sometimes you need to kind of actually think when you are when you've got all these choices, what is it you actually want and what matters mm. to you? How much time do you want at home with your family and things that you do outside work versus doing clinical and non clinical work as well? Mm. Definitely. I mean, I mean, we're seeing the growth of portfolio working mm. in primary care. And actually, you could argue that a lot of the partners that you probably had experience of working with and stuff, they are portfolio workers. You know, they may not categorize themselves as that, but, you know, the partners, they may be working with the LMC, CCGs, all the other organizations around that, as well as doing independent roles and clinical roles and that kind of stuff. That's all portfolio working. But you're right, finding out that the best way to work for you for your family, for your home situation, all that kind of stuff is paramount, particularly with the high pressure that we have in this kind of job. I mean, I would argue no speciality has the kind of pressure that we have to deal with in terms of risk management, uncertainty and accessibility. Um, so make sure that that's sane for you is very important because what we don't want is you burning out in the future. And I guess people always talk about the three different kind of classic mm-hmm. roles of working primary care. So we've got our locums, our salaries and our partners. Yeah. How do you suggest people go about looking for locum work and that kind of thing? Yeah, so there's quite a few locum platforms available now. Um, you know, a quick Google and you'll find there's plenty of them. I won't plug one individual one. Um, but there's lots of sort of locum organisations you can join. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they do is they um, have sort of practices on their books. Um, and quite often they'll take a profile form you see um, locations you're willing to work in, travel distance, that sort of thing. Um, and then I have a list that you can look through for locuming or contact you once they've got those details when there's locums mm-hmm. available. So that's one option, sort of locum wise. Any other sort of ideas? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say there's about three different types of those mm. kind of locum organizations so you've got your classical agencies that basically as you said have practices or organizations on their books and then they basically have a raft of people that get they go to and they will just give you a session for however much length of time and that's a read amount of work that you do mm. for that and then you get paid for it and that kind of stuff there's the the second or the more newer version which is more like um uh, agency networks as such mm. so they kind of like your you know, check a trader kind of thing they advertise it you know you've got this locum this practice you're both looking for work how do you want to do that and, and basically create the connection for you to work and they sometimes work out cheaper for practices and potentially mean that the locums may get a bigger cut of the money because mm. there's less agency costs yeah. and things but important to read the terms and conditions of how that works um, can be very supportive because they tend to offer a lot more of the kind of pastoral stuff like appraisal mm. and you know all that kind of thing with it as well so it can be quite useful 
And the third one, which some people may not know about, is the free option. So there are actually some agencies out there that basically just help you arrange work and they can be formal things. I'm not going to mention any company names, I'm afraid, just so that we're not, you know, sort of told of being favoritisms or anything like that. But definitely some groups out there and I'm happy to speak to people individually about those kind of things. But also in local areas, they'll yeah. tend to have lists of, you know, it may be a WhatsApp list or it may be a uh, email list or something like that. And, and it's one person that kind of coordinates that for local work and that kind of thing. And they can be really valuable for getting, um, you know, it's still technically an agency, but they don't necessarily charge you a fee or they may charge you a fee just to join the list one-off kind of thing. Um, yeah. But definitely three different types worth looking at, particularly for sessional workers alike and things. And like you said, that sort of net, the informal networks mm-hmm. as well. I know I'm on a WhatsApp group for newly qualified GPs in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And you know, most weeks there's people posting either they're in a practice that they know are looking for someone to yeah. work there. or you know It's quite informal, but it's a nice way of kind of sharing what's available. And things beyond sort of local work as well. So you know if they are advertising for partners or mm-hmm. if there's any sort of um, local CCG or PCN work stuff yeah. like that lots of people are kind of putting it on there um, so it's worth kind of finding out if there's any it's not always the easiest thing to find out but asking around to see if there's anything sort of a WhatsApp group or any sort of forums locally that people use for sharing information yeah particularly on social media there's quite a few different versions yeah. Facebook in particular there's loads of groups out there that will help you find local work and, and plug you into those kind of things so definitely have a look on, on the social media platforms for that so we covered locum. I guess the other thing with locum work is just simply ask a practice. So yeah. if you're if you're living in an area, you know, there's no harm in just literally ringing up the local practices around you and saying, do you need someone? And um, you get that more direct relationship. You may not get as much information about the practice because you're then relying on the practice website, what the people tell you and what people have heard mm. kind of thing. But in terms of it can be a really good and effective way. And I know when I started locuming, that's basically what I did because none of these other kind of systems really worked apart from agencies, which, to be honest, I, I didn't want to stay away from at that point. Um, and, yeah, I just literally knocked on doors and yeah. got quite a bit of work quite quickly. And that worked really well and effectively for me at that time. Built up some good relationships. And the best thing is you get to specify exactly what you want to do and how you want to do it. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. One quick thing, tip with that, though, make sure you've got your own terms and conditions. Mm. One of the most valuable things any locum can have is your own set of terms and conditions um, because people forget. And it's things like, what do you do if you turn up? If you can't turn up, if you're unwell, for example, for your session, how does that work? How you get paid? What happens if you don't get paid? You know, very valid question and things. Yep. And also, what are you agreeing to do? You know, in writing, I'm agreeing to do this many patients or this amount of time, that kind of stuff. Having it clear is so much better and so much easier, both for you and for the practice, rather than. Yeah. Sure, and then you get left feeling awful, or the practice turns around and says, "Actually, not done what we asked you to do." Yeah, make it clear, have it in writing. Email's a good way of doing that. And um, so we talked about locums. Salary doctors? Yes, yeah, so the salary doctors. Um, again, you can find out salary posts that are available um, sort of from local networks, but then also online. So there's um, GP Online Jobs, RSGB Jobs, BMJ Online. There's lots of different ways you can kind of find out about jobs that are going on salaried. Um, again, you know, look at the what's being offered to you in terms of contracts if mm-hmm. you are going for interviews things like that. And don't be afraid, you know, if there is a particular term or if there's something um, that you are keen to have written into your contract, um, it is a negotiation. So don't be afraid to kind of have that conversation for practice. Again, it's much nicer to have that conversation sort of mm-hmm. at the beginning when you're honest and kind of opening that honest sort of dialogue and getting to know each other better and what matters to you and to the practice um, than kind of being there for longer and realising actually you didn't read the contract yeah. and there's things that you thought you were going to get and you didn't or vice versa. Um, so yeah so similarly when you're thinking about salary jobs um, look at what the actual terms are with that place um, and quite a few of my friends looking for a bit and then kind of mm-hmm. found the places they thought they'd be happy salarying in and then um, take up salary posts that way so um, if you're working in practices you may find that actually people come to you and say 
this might be available or mm. this post opening up. Um, and certainly when we've been looking um, locally at salary jobs, there's quite a lot available. So um, yeah. so you, you shop, shop around, see, what, see what's going to suit you um, and don't feel the pressure to kind of go just for the first thing that, that's available that you apply for. Mm. Think about what's going to work best for you and your life circumstances as well. Definitely. I mean, there's various innovations around salary posts as well. So in some places I've heard mm. of them offering term time jobs, for yeah. example, or um, jobs where you only work specific hours, you may only work afternoons because that works great for you for childcare and that kind of stuff and therefore works really well for practice because they may have to offer things like extended access, mm. particularly with a new contract, we may see more of that kind of thing. And as you said, important to have that negotiation at the start. Don't forget, practices will have to be fair to their existing staff. Yeah. So it may not be an outright no in terms of the negotiation, but they may have to think, okay, well, we've got other people working with us. How do we be fair to them as well as to new yeah. people? And also it's about the work that you're doing. So you know, clearly if you're doing more work than an average salary doctor would do, so if you're doing non-clinical roles, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. clearly you should be negotiating a bit more for that kind of thing because that's fair. Or time, whatever works for you, whatever is valuable to you to try and help and make that sensible and effective. Definitely practices are after salary doctors at the moment nowadays because having a regular workforce just improves continuity, makes things so much easier and stuff, which is why you'll see so many positions out there. Mm. Um, Clearly, if it's something that's interesting, have a look. But yeah, get to know the practice because more often than not, it's it's the environment you're going into, it's the team you're going into that's probably the most valuable thing, not necessarily the pay, which I know is always the first question everybody asks about, but it's probably not the most important one. I completely agree with that. I think for me, if it's a practice that don't have any sort of regular catch up, Mm -hmm. um, I I know that's important for me. Some people, they just want to go in and get the clinic done and leave. Mm -hmm. um, So that wouldn't be best for them. But I know that's the thing that I certainly look for for when I've been doing sessional work. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, do they have some sort of catch up slot or do they have something where the GPs see each other? Um, Because actually, I'm relatively social person that makes my day feel a bit better makes life so much easier I know every day we meet up at 10.30 in our practice just to mm. basically see people because otherwise you don't want to be going to your room seeing your patients going home it, that's just boring and I think when you first CCT you feel this feeling that you're meant to know everything now because you've mm. got your qualification and you know you're an independent practitioner but you know we we will continue I'll continue I think asking for my colleagues support and yep. you know we discuss cases and that sort of thing so don't feel like you need to put yourself under pressure to know everything and um, we're constantly learning and you know if, if you've got an environment where you're a bit more supported um, then it can make that transition into independent practice just that little bit less scary um, for that's what I find anyway cool and the last traditional role we've got is um, partners. Um, so I'm a partner in my practice. Hey, hi, guys. Um, and I've been a partner now for seven years. Wow. Don't say the time in words. It just makes you realise how, yeah. how much time is passing. I've loved it. And, and it's that key thing that you just mentioned about the teamwork. It's the people you work with. That's the thing that keeps me in, in the partnership role. I, I work with amazing people. I work in a great community and that kind of stuff. And yeah, it definitely has its challenges. There's definitely a bit more of an aspect of financial liability, of risk, that kind of stuff, working as a partner. And the workload is different, particularly admin kind of things. But actually, I've got more control of trying to tackle that, fix that, hopefully. And in terms of being able to have a bit more control of my working week and stuff is definitely more valuable than things. Um, But yeah, it's the team that keeps me going. So making sure you're finding somewhere that is sensible and things. Finding partnerships, I'm pretty sure that shouldn't be a problem (laughs) out there. I'm pretty sure almost every practice out there is probably looking for partners and that kind of stuff. Um, But if you're interested, uh, I mean, things to look out for and and ask if you go for those kind of things is what's the working week like? What's the extra clinical or non-clinical roles you may have to look into and stuff? 
what's the situation of the practice in terms of financials definitely a big huge question you need to ask don't be afraid to ask you know many partnerships or sensible ones will show you their books and stuff and give you the time to have a look at that and things or give you the opportunity to go to an accountant and stuff and have that looked at and things and if you're interested in that side of things check out our previous video with um uh, jenny um where we looked at the financial aspects of being a gp and particularly a partner and things um, I mean, any other tips that you give to people about partnerships and that kind of stuff? I think it's finding something that that matches kind of your values mm. and and the practice that you're going into. So um, there's been a big push, uh, lots of stuff in the media recently about young doctors not wanting to be partners. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of my colleagues have become partners, and um, maybe not in the first year of CCTing, yeah. but certainly within the first five years of CCTing, Definitely. a lot of my friends have become partners, and um, because they really appreciate that sort of ownership over where they work and being able to influence it. So a lot can seem daunting when you press CCT and a lot of the media is saying that we're not interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, have a have an honest conversation with yourself because actually quite a lot of us do value that ability to influence the environments we're working in. And if that does matter to you, then actually being a partner can be the perfect opportunity. Definitely. And when you work with a great team, it's something that really is valuable. I know in my time as a partner, I've had a couple of challenges in my own life. And if it wasn't for the support of my partners, I probably still won't be working at this point. So, you know, that kind of support is unbelievably invaluable and having that can make just a huge difference to you um i guess so we talked about the three common roles there's lots of other ways that people can work yeah. in primary care i mean there's obviously out of hours there's yeah. um, uh, you probably yeah, know that hours, than I do. prison uh, gp um there's sort of homeless work so there's mm-hmm. a few practices now that specialize in homeless care um i took secret option number four so i joined the military so i see military personnel and still do some nhs clinics as well um so there, there is a the, the more you unpick what's available, mm-hmm. it becomes clear there's just so much. Um, and then some GPs go, go on and do um, a diploma in something. So, for example, Ahmed, a few people, quite a lot of GPs yeah. combine sort of doing um, sort of the, the normal. I don't think there's a normal in GP now, but sort of clinical sessions in a practice and then do some occupational medicine or do mm-hmm. some sports medicine or do the list is endless. Um, so, yeah, I think... It can feel like there's a million things to do and not enough time to do them. But when you're first CCTing, um, try and make sure you do have core clinical sessions um, so that, you're, that you are refining your trade. Because it's one thing when you're training, um, then when you CCT, it is slightly different. You are an independent practitioner. And it can take you a bit of time once you've been doing your CSA and kind of drilling into the consultation mm-hmm. models and stuff. Actually, it takes you a bit of time to find out what sort of doctor you are um, and how you like to practice and kind of what how your, how your natural consultation style is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just make sure that whatever you do um, you try and embed some some core clinical practice and not get completely distract, distracted by everything else that's going on um, because I think we do need in our first five years to actually just hone our trade um, and then beyond that you know the world's your oyster really yeah I think that's definitely applicable when things like appraisal as well mm-hmm. because uh, um, to remain on performance list you have to have done a certain amount of sessions yeah. up here. it's not a huge amount I think it works out one session a week if I remember rightly yeah it's one to two sessions a week um, it should be nationalised now but mm-hmm. be aware there's still some areas that are using slightly different guidelines definitely and check out our previous video that looked at how to get onto the CCT and performance list and stuff mm-hmm. um, but in terms of things like appraisal and stuff, obviously that's something that comes up to every doctor nowadays. Yeah. I mean, any tips that you've got for that side of things, Shady? Yeah, so with appraisal, um, you know, we're actually in quite a lucky situation. Having done, we were just discussing this before we started, having done the e-portfolio, which is quite a bit of work to evidence to show that you are capable of being a GP. Um, once you CCT and you're doing the appraisal, it is 
it is much easier. Yeah. Like it, you, you will be naturally covering CPD. And we've moved away a lot now of having to go to lots of face-to-face courses, having certificates and all of that. Um, it, you can tailor your learning a lot more to to what you do. So I still go to like an update day um, mm-hmm. most years. Um, but a lot of my learning is from podcasts, things like this, um, from sort of reading. Like yeah, like this one. Um, from, from reading sort of just like books by Henry Marsh or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you can really make your appraisal a much more enjoyable experience yeah. by doing things that matter to you um, and of course making sure there's a lot of variety there mm-hmm. um, but all you really need to make sure is that you've got your 50 hours of CPD which most of us will do in much less than a year yeah. um, and end up not documenting everything that we do CPD wise mm-hmm. um, and then making sure you've got the core things for example patient feedback um, colleague, colleague feedback a quality improvement project that sort of thing um, don't panic about getting everything done in your first year with appraisal I think mm. that's the main thing I certainly did that I thought well I've got to get all this stuff done for revalidation do everything in a year but the, re- the revalidation cycle is five years so you don't actually need to have everything done every year. You only need to have one patient um, satisfaction question survey done uh, per the five years. Similarly, through muscle feedback. If you can do more, that's great. Um, but don't feel like you need to get everything done yeah. in your first year. Definitely. I mean, you're right about the fact that we probably capture a lot more than people mm. realise. I remember my first appraisal, I hit 200 hours without yeah, realising exactly it. Did. And my appraiser just turned around to me when we had our meeting and said, you do realise you put 200 hours worth of content. And I was like, did I? And it was like, yeah, I've not looked through all of it. I'm like, ah, okay. Got to remember that for next year. Yeah, absolutely. And Still I think was 100 hours the following year. I think it's <laughs> taken me to like my fourth appraisal now yeah. to actually be a lot more sensible on what I'm putting on there. Um, and when I reflect on my first year one, yeah, it was, I treated it like a portfolio, so it was rammed. Yeah. Still left at the last minute. Um, but it was rammed with stuff and now I've become I've become better at doing it more regularly mm. um, but then also better at doing it um, in a more sort of varied manner and, and not doing quite yeah. so much input I mean I'd say that all, all trainees probably do the and all GPs actually easily do the learning so yeah. the biggest challenge is capturing it and that's yeah. the part that most of us probably aren't so good at yeah. um, if you want any tips on that click on the video just up here um, our tech at enhancing your CBD video that we've done with myself and Andy that we did for the HTN webinar loads of helpful tips on how to do that for you um, so I guess appraisal is a process and it's continuing to evolve and, and always worth checking the guidelines in terms of what that means yeah. and checking with your appraiser toolkits as well and they can change and there's pretty much three big ones at the mm-hmm. moment worth having a look at so you've got your clarity you've got your 14 fish and you've got your GP tools there's also the mag form if you want to use that and I know Wales and Scotland have their own independent yeah, versions yeah you've not well. got a choice in Scotland it's yeah, the, yeah. yeah but fair enough but have a look at those and, and yeah use them they're really easy to use generally speaking um, we'll cover um, how to use those in a different video for you guys but and have a look at those if you want to and um, so appraisal talks about getting a job I guess one of the things that a lot of people sometimes have to do is they have to move and they go yeah. to new areas and, and getting in contact with new kind of networks and stuff can be a challenge how would you recommend you know our colleagues out there do that yeah so this is something um, this is the reason I got involved in first five because mm. being in the military moved quite moved a lot so I moved yeah. every four months during training um, up until my last year and then moved um, so I've moved to two different jobs this, since CCTing and moving to another one mm. uh, next month. So um, and in different areas. Um, and when you're moving areas, it can be, it's difficult as an mm. adult, it's difficult to make new friends. Um, and even if you're staying in the same area at post-CCT, um, 
you know, everyone makes packs that they'll, you know, they'll keep in touch with their VTS and everything. But to be honest, the first six months, lots of people are just kind of yeah. head buried and it takes a bit of time to kind of lift your head and go, where's this support network that I had through training? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really worthwhile looking, if, whether you're moving or whether you're in the same, staying in the same area, actually just putting your feelers out and seeing what's available in terms of support. So um, for me, I we've got a great faculty in the Midlands, so it's an RCGP, RCGP faculty. Mm-hmm. Um and they, they're really supportive. And so I actually just went along to one of their faculty meetings, yep. met lots of other, um, first, first fives. Um, and then the other, one of the things they put on is like a life after VTS event. Yep. So it's like a day when you cover all in more detail the stuff we're discussing today. Um, but then also it's just a way to kind of meet people in that area. Definitely. So, um, I would recommend looking out for them. We're going to put some dates up for ones that are scheduled. Yep. Um, but if we don't have the dates for all of them across the UK now, um, it's worth just having a little Google, see what's, what's around you really. Definitely. I mean, it's similar to Jody. Um, about two years after I finished, I moved from Yorkshire back to Nottingham, where I was born and bred. Um, I'd lived in Nottingham for most of my life, but I didn't have a clue about the GPs in Nottingham at that point because I did all my training outside yeah. of here. So getting in contact and trying to develop those networks was a bit of a challenge. My first place I went to was at my local RCGP faculty. Mm-hmm. They welcomed me with open arms. Since that time, I've, I've done a variety of things with them, including the Life After VTS mm-hmm. stuff that we run every year here in the Vale of Trent faculty, as well as I've now become the deputy treasurer, the treasurer and the chair of the faculty at various points. <laughs> now just an ordinary board member. And we're doing some amazing stuff right now. My most favourite one, actually, mm-hmm. was our games night we had. I just saw this on Twitter. I, was, I felt I had serious FOMO when I saw this. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. You know, it's something simple as that. And that was open to non-members as well. So it's not necessarily that you have yeah. to be a member Absolutely. to engage with the college. Clearly, you get benefits from being a member, and that means you get to go to a lot of these mm-hmm. events for free or a significantly reduced rate. But even as non-members, you can engage with your local faculty, and they will be able to provide you with support at the very least, um, and also access to the various different events, educational things in particular. Obviously, the RCGP yeah. is really good at that kind of stuff. But pastoral stuff, support, that kind of thing, really valuable. It's yeah. another organisation worth getting in contact with as well as your local LMC. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, the, the oldest kind of longest standing um, organisation to support GPs in existence and definitely in terms of working as whether you're a local, whether you're a salaried partner, no matter what role you are, your LMC is there to represent the practices and to represent you. And definitely a great network to get in contact mm-hmm. with. Um, I say that as an LMC representative for our local area, but yeah feel free and um, I'm sure every LMC will again open you with welcome arms yeah and there's a few other sort of networks just kind of yeah. crop up so um, for example where I live there's a, the sewing group we don't do any sewing it's the nurses and women in general practice um, and there's just a dinner sort of every four months um, and they get an invited speaker there's lots of little things going on it's just quite it's not the easiest to tap into them so the best way is just kind of speak to some GPs if you're locally yeah. at a practice or whatever just have a chat with people and see what they have sort of in their local networks um, and then most GPs are pretty welcoming so um, you should be able to kind of get involved and um, the other thing we're trying to do a lot more of uh, from the first five committee is small group learning mm. so um, we're hopefully going to have something announced later on this year so you should have some more small group learning um, available to you locally and um, because sometimes people don't want to go to big uh, events actually like the like board like your board games events like yeah. actually doing a little bit of cpd in a small group in you know while you're having tapas or whatever is sometimes a bit nicer than a, a full day um in a lecture theater so we're, we're developing a lot more of that so watch this space yeah and it's definitely useful for developing those connections with yeah. you know colleagues and stuff so um as many of you know the story of the gpla and poblas was basically me and andy met at a faculty event and we continued that relationship in terms of the, the joint aims the joint interests that we had and that manifested itself into this you know in nottingham we've got our own little 
in between us group that we've got and it's a network of you know um younger gps that are just really interested in change and you know that's helped manifest as supporters in terms of doing all that kind of thing so finding your own group finding your own tribe i guess is the best way of describing mm. it really valuable and those networks those kind of groups will allow you to have yeah. that and develop that for you and um, so definitely do keep your eyes out for that I guess anything else that you feel we needed to share with our viewers and stuff? I think just be aware that, you know, it can be quite a daunting time and lots of stuff changes. We tend to do everything once as GPs. So um, it can, that first few years of CCTing, mm-hmm. it can feel a bit overwhelming. So just make sure that, you know, if you're finding that, everyone else is as well. So speak to your colleagues. Um, and then we'll put some links up with this podcast of lots of different avenues that are available for yeah. support. If it is just a little bit too much, if you do need to speak to someone, um, there's lots of support out there. So you're never on your own. Um, and just make sure that you do access that if you are feeling a bit overwhelmed. Cool. Thank you for that, Jody. I hope our viewers and our listeners have had a really good time in listening and seeing that and also learned a lot of things. Um, as always, guys, if you've got any comments or questions, feel free to contact me either on Twitter at Dr. Gandalf. 52 or at egp learning or leave a comment down below really valuable to forget those and particularly if you want to share your stories about how you've had to find new networks how that's worked where that hasn't worked you know if that hasn't done let us know we're happy to try and feed that back to the higher organizations and stuff for you as well so leave those comments down below as always if you want to subscribe make sure you click the bell and um, that's on youtube facebook instagram linkedin yeah you guys know i'm on all the platforms already (laughs) and stuff and as always keep tech enhancing your primary care and learning See you later. See you later.